Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for joining in in our conversation. Today, we have a really cool guest. We have the CEO of Ghirardelli Chocolates. I was talking to him before we got started. I mean, that has to be the coolest job ever. I mean, every kid probably wants to grow up and run a chocolate company, but we're going to have a really great conversation because Ghirardelli is a 160-year-old company that was founded entrepreneurially. I mean, it was founded with, you know, getting things going where there wasn't before, and the company persists today in being very entrepreneurial. But before we get started, those of you who've been listening to recent episodes know that I start off every show with one of my 20 tips for solopreneurs. As we lead up to the 1st of April, when I mark six years working as a solopreneur, I've learned a lot, and I have these 20 tips that I share with people. So every show, we're starting off with one tip, and today's tip number four is take risks because failure is okay. You know, when you're out there trying to do something, you know, you have to take a chance. If you just play it safe every single time, you're never going to be able to leave your job and start your own business and, and make something happen. And as I found in launching this business as a speaker and a trainer and a master of ceremonies, one of the things I found was that I stumbled along the way. But if I wasn't out there trying, if I wasn't taking risks, I never would have been able to do any of it. So remember that tip number four is take risks and it's okay to fail. So let's jump into today's conversation. I am very fortunate to have with me today Marty Thompson, and Marty is the CEO of Ghirardelli Chocolate Company. He uh, started off his career after he graduated from the University of Texas at Austin, which is where I live, although he lives out in the Bay Area. Uh, he left UT Austin and went to Procter & Gamble and later to Clorox and then to Ghirardelli in sales roles, and he joined Ghirardelli about 10 years ago as the vice president of sales and has doubled sales in that decade that he's been there. And in the last couple of years, he was promoted to be the CEO. Ghirardelli was founded back in the 1850s with a pioneering spirit. The founder discovered that during the gold rush, the exhausted miners who were out in the field were starved for some little luxuries and were seeking ways to spend their gold dust. And having fine quality things that could give them a little treat was a great way to do it. And he launched Ghirardelli Chocolates. Since that time, over 160 years, Ghirardelli continues to manufacture and market premium chocolate delicacies. And it's one of the few companies in California who has continuously run for over 100 years. Marty, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about sort of your career and what led you to this role of, of leading this great chocolate company. You know, I, I, I think you did a nice job introducing my career in, in, your, uh, in your introduction. Basically, I was in sales, uh, started at University of Texas and studying finance and somehow inspired back in those days, I knew that while I wanted to pursue a sales career, I also thought finance at some point would be would help me to be a more balanced business person. And so uh, I got the fundamentals of Procter & Gamble, a great company with great brands, moved around the state of Texas from, I started in Dallas, then Houston, then San Antonio. Uh, so basically at one point or other, I had responsibility for all of Texas, not all together, but at different points along the way, different regions. And then I moved to Ohio where I took a bigger role and had a national exposure. Uh, after uh, And I did inside sales roles and outside sales roles. And after 10 years with P&G, uh, I moved to the Bay Area. My family and I moved to the Bay Area where I joined Clorox Company, another company with fantastic people and strong brands. 
and uh, and we were here for about a year. Then we moved to the East Coast. We were there for two years. We moved back. So and just did a number of sales roles. Interestingly enough, for the first time ever in my career, about halfway through my time with Clorox, I did uh, a broadening assignment that was system process engineering for the whole company. I wasn't responsible for the whole company, but just the sales systems. And uh, it gave me a chance to really step back and, and see how things worked from the inside out or from the bottom up. So that was that was helpful because a couple of years later when I came to Ghirardelli, we were a company with uh, a big brand and big ambitions, but sort of needed to recraft how we went to market and and the financial aspects of it. And so all of these things sort of came together for me uh, when I joined Ghirardelli. And, and it, I just felt like I had all the experiences I needed right at that moment for the company's development to, to accelerate. And, and uh, working with a bunch of people who were like-minded, we, you know, we, we, we did some good things. And then uh, I was fortunate to be to elevated to the, to the chief executive role in early 2011. So that's that's the journey at a kind of a just a, a timeline standpoint. So you bring up a lot of interesting points that are really kind of consistent. Even when I talk to smaller company executives and entrepreneurs, and that is that finance is really key to business. You you were going down the sales path, but having that background of your degree in finance probably helped you be well suited to become CEO. Where if you didn't have that understanding in finance, sometimes that can take you off the rails. You know, I I totally agree. And you know, there's a there's there's a role for great salespeople. I mean, and 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 I really believe that you need great salespeople who can move your product and sell your product in the right way with customers. But I think the thing that set me apart, besides those skills, was just this idea of being uh, balanced. And again, for where our company was in our development, we needed to accelerate sales, but we also needed to accel- do it in a way that that uh, accelerated the bottom line as well. And so I think having that sort of fuller view was was the reason that I was chosen for this role. And I look for people who have technical expertise in their field, be it operations or research and development or marketing or or general management, but who also have a broader perspective around how do I make money doing these things? How do we become more profitable in doing these activities versus uh, just selling? Uh, yeah. yeah, that so, was a key part of it. So you bring up another interesting point. You said when you went to Clorox, it was another company with fantastic people and great brands. Both of those two companies that you started with, those were terms that you used to describe them. And I think those are two of the most important things in business for anybody, and that is associating yourself with fantastic people. Whether you're a solopreneur and you're just surrounding yourself with peers who you can bounce ideas off of, or clearly as you go up the ranks to a larger company, having those great people as part of your official team, but then also the branding is so important. So what would you say from the big company chair to maybe a lot of smaller entrepreneurs, smaller company entrepreneurs who listen to this show about people and brands? Um, I think it's it's absolutely the most vital. These are two of the most vital f- things for me. You know, I, I have been offered kind, all kinds of jobs along the way. And my first, my first uh, question is, and really trying to get a deep understanding is how strong is the brand? Where, what is the potential of the brand? Uh, how strong is it today? Where can it be? Where can it go? Uh, and and I think for me, it's always been about working with a company that has a strong brand or working with a company that you believe you can make the brand stronger and the brand will then be meaningful to your customers or potential customers. The second thing is, um, you know, I'm fortunate at the Ghirardelli company. We have 1,200 employees and they are passionate about our brand. They believe in what we're doing. And, and so it feels more like an adventure than it feels like work. And 
And, you know, we get up every day energized about making our brand and our company as successful as it can be. And I think if you can join with people who have, you know, the like spirit, then I think uh, anything is possible. So this show is called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I'll be honest, most of my guests that I've had on the show have been from solo the solopreneur world, a lot of my speaker friends and, and people who run consultancies, and then also a lot of people who are maybe in startups, because I live in Austin, Texas, so there's a lot of sort of startup activity. But when I first started the show, if you listen to the intro, I always say that we're going to talk to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and anyone with the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think in order for a company in the last 10 years to double its sales that's been around for 150 years, you have to be operating with a big dose of that entrepreneurial spirit inside Ghirardelli. So why don't you talk a little bit about sort of how that feel of entrepreneurialism stays when a company's 160 years old? I think I think you know I would go back to the beginning, uh, Tom, with your um, with your tip number four, which is take risks. And our company was founded by Domingo Ghirardelli, as you mentioned. He was in a, he was he learned chocolate making as an apprentice in Italy, and then traveled to South America, and then traveled from South America during the gold rush to San Francisco. He was a classic entrepreneur. He took big risks. Uh, and he, a lot of his ventures failed, frankly, and then he would be persistent and start up again. And you know, ultimately, he f- he founded a company with an enduring legacy. And we, well, that's an old example. We try and keep that spirit alive in our company today. And you know, what I would say is we have three or four things that were that are very important to us from a just kind of an operating principle principle or values standpoint. We work from values. We're not we're not heavy on rules. So we and we hire people who can work within that framework. We're looking for talented people who want to work together with other talented people. So not necessarily uh, people who uh, are just in it on their own, just in it to do it from themselves. So we look for for people who can join together and work collaboratively with others against big opportunities. We're focused out externally. We're focused on the market, consumers, customers, marketplace, and where we can add value. We work very hard to make uh, decisions at the lowest possible level where they should be made and to make them quickly without studying things uh, to death. And then we really try and close the loop. Did what we uh, do work? And why did what we do not work and why? And then we move on. So not a lot of recrimination, not a lot of finger pointing when things don't go right. Just what did we learn? And then let's go. So that's how we operate. We try and keep it pretty lean. So, Marty, you started your career in sales long before you ever reached that CEO position. And I always think that salespeople are really entrepreneurs, whether they're working for a giant company like Procter & Gamble or whether they're you know, working for a really small company. If they're out there carrying a bag and making things happen, they're no different than the entrepreneur who's got a startup. Because at the end of the day, a salesperson is judged every month by, are you making your quota? You know, what, what have you done lately? And as someone who is a solopreneur, I know that every month I start over at zero. And I do think that there's a lot of similarities. And I think sometimes we forget that salespeople are truly entrepreneurial. So what is it that you learned along the way in sales that prepared you to be CEO? I think uh, planning. I think communication. I think building relationships uh, over time. Those would be the, the, the three biggest things. For me, uh, and also keep knocking. Keep knocking on the door. Keep be persistent against the opportunities. If you feel like, uh, you know, what I, my, I guess my, my own personal style is not to try and sell things to people who don't need them, but to try and sell things to people who have a need and your product answers the need and then come back, follow up 
and then make the next sale. So more of an ongoing relationship building, selling. But I think um, you have to get out and you have to knock on doors. You have to follow up. You have to uh, tell people what you're about and invite people to be a part of that. Uh, so I, I, I think those are the, probably the key lessons for me is, is uh, relationships, communication, inviting people to join you, uh, and, and just being persistent. So I worked for a lot of companies when I had a sales and marketing career, and, and I was a, a pure commission salesperson for a long time, as, as well as moving into the marketing side. And one of my complaints a lot of times when I worked for companies was the CEO didn't really understand what sales was all about. They came from engineering or finance or, or, or development, and they really didn't understand what it was, as you said, to keep knocking on doors. And that sometimes mm. you're going to say, you know, no, and not everybody's going to buy your product. Does your sales team appreciate the fact that their CEO comes out of sales? <laughs> they do. Sometimes they uh, wish that maybe I had come out of marketing <laughs> because I, because it, you know, it's, you know, sometimes there are times when you have to make the sale also. And, uh, and we're relying on you to, to get this done or that done. And I know that and, and have been in that situation. So it's also a little bit uh, along those lines, but I think they do. I think mentality wise, our whole company is about, uh, is about winning with consumers, winning with customers and so uh, even if you're in operations or in IT, you know, your, your mission is to help us further those two goals. And so I think, I think the, the sales team appreciates the fact that we're focused outwardly versus inwardly. So what do you love about the career that you've created? You know, I, uh, it's an amazing uh, question. And looking back, I think um, first I, I would say I love where I'm at right now. I love, I love the brand, uh, the Ghirardelli brand, consumers believe in it and, and associate it with high quality and, and, uh, and have a lot of faith in it. I love the people that I work with. Uh, I love the opportunities that we have as a company to be, to be bigger and to be m even more successful and to touch people, you know, all over the country in, in terms of what we do. Um, in my career, I've, I've been fortunate to have lived in great places, to have worked with amazing people and on, on big brands. I look with pride on, you know, Tide detergent. I sold Tide for five years. Uh, I have pride in um, Kingsford charcoal and Clorox disinfecting wipes. These are brands that I worked on very closely, and I still have passion for them and 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 use them for the most part. So I just have had a lot of opportunities, and I'm I'm grateful for that. And I've met a lot of great people along the way. One thing I would say is. Um, you know, I can point to different people who have who have made a difference in my life and my career in terms of how they how they helped me to learn something I needed to learn or to get from a, one place to another. And I think that's also been special is just is just the the the, the interaction with key people along the way. And, and it's something that I look for as well. So I often ask the question of guests on this show of what advice would you have to someone who wants to leave a big company and, and go start their own thing? But I want to twist that a little bit around. What advice do you have for someone who might be working for a big company who wants to grow their career inside that company while being entrepreneurial and maybe rise to a C-level position? <clears throat> you know, for me, um, I would say four things. One, um, find something you can be passionate about. And, and, and be passionate. Let your passion show. I think enthusiasm gets other people moving and is something that sets you apart. So I, that would be number one. Number two, where you're building your own team, 
work with great people. Choose to work with people who see things the way that you do or not exactly see things the way that you do, but who can believe in what you're doing and who are motivated in the same way. Um, I, I happen to be a little bit analytical, but you, I think there's, a, there's high value in balancing your, your brains and your analytics with your instinct in making big decisions. And, uh, and then finally, and this was something it took me honestly about half my career to learn, Everybody has something to offer, and if you if you're keeping it inside you, let it out, and things will change for the better. So figure out how to put what you have to offer on the table, and other people will will notice and benefit from it. So those would be the four bits of advice that I would give. And what's great about those is those that that piece of advice works for everybody, no matter what you do for a living or where you want your career path to go. I think that passion and enthusiasm, surrounding yourself with good people. Finding that balance in in your uh, making good business decisions and your analytics, and then letting letting it go, letting putting yourself out there. I don't care if you're a solopreneur trying to build, you know, a one man business, or if you want to run a Fortune 100 company. I think that advice flies for everybody. Exactly. Thank you. So, Marty, I often believe that the best, most entrepreneurial people in big companies or small companies, I think they're observers. And so I always like to sort of twist this and, and turn the, the corner here, because we could talk about you and the great brand of Ghirardelli chocolate for hours. However, mm-hmm. what is it that you see out there where someone else is doing something really cool? This could be a small company, this could be the dry cleaner where you drop off your suits, or it could be another large company. Who's out there really trying something new and really kicking it? You know, um, I think one of the things that we're, we're working very hard on within Ghirardelli right now is just is this om, omni-channel uh, understanding and, and under, um, omni-channel um, initiative. We have 25 stores. They're located all across the country. The, obviously, the biggest and most famous is at Ghirardelli Square. Uh, and we also obviously sell to big retailers like uh, Costco and Target and Walmart and Walgreens and others. And yet we're building our, our e-commerce, our internet, Ghirardelli.com site as a shop. And I look at companies like Under Armour or Nike, and I'm just amazed at how they can be successful in their own flagship stores or their own outlet stores or their own online store or in a, you know, in a footlocker or something like that. And so we're really looking at these folks and others to see what they do and how they do and how their offers are distinct and how they think about pricing and, you know, and, and how uh, innovative they are in the, in the omni-channel. So I, would, I think that's probably the place where I'm spending the most time right now is just our own omni-channel strategy and, and how we develop it and accelerate it from here. So, um, little sideline, yeah, you, you bring up Ghirardelli Square in San Francisco, and of course, anytime you, you come across from the East Bay, you can't miss the giant, you know, Ghirardelli sign. There is sort of a landmark of the San Francisco skyline. But, you know, not everyone who listens to this show has had the chance to visit Ghirardelli Square. And yet, I grew up in California, and it was a big deal for me to bring my kids there. And one of the things we told the kids before we got there is, you know, you got to go experience what Ghirardelli has, but then we have to go have a hot chocolate at Ghirardelli Square. What is it to have a company that obviously you're out there doing everything any other company does, but you also have a piece of real estate that is an international landmark? How do you handle that? Um, it's, it's one of the great things about our company. What we know, Tom, is that uh, 25% of the people who buy our product in a, in a 
in a uh, grocery store or a drugstore or a mass merchant or a club or whatever had their first experience in one of our shops. And so what we work very hard on every day is to just make sure that experience that you have in our shop is outstanding. And, and that will bring you back to the brand and create some loyalty. And it's amazing how many people I talk to that say, you know, I had my honeymoon in San Francisco and we went to Ghirardelli Square and I still remember it today. Or, you know, when I got a great report card, I went to Ghirardelli Square. My parents took me there. There's so many memories, emotionally charged memories that are, that are, that are uh, just fantastic in terms of what it, our brand has brought to people. And so, um, yeah, Ghirardelli Square is a place. Um, it's got a lot of history, and uh, it's important for building our brand. But we also have to activate it in the right way with consumers, and we're working very hard to do that. I know that when my youngest daughter turned nine years old, we were in California, and we spent her ninth birthday. We kicked off the day at Ghirardelli Square with some hot chocolate, and I know that she always remembers that birthday because the entire day in San Francisco was all about her and things she wanted to do, and and it kicked off with Ghirardelli chocolate. So, you know, what a better way to spend your birthday than starting with chocolate. Hey, thank you for the business. I appreciate it. (laughs) So another thing that great entrepreneurs and great companies do is they give back to the greater good. So what is it that that you and the company do to sort of have an impact? Yeah, um, in the mid-1960s, Ghirardelli moved from having our plant and and production operations at Ghirardelli Square to San Leandro, California. San Leandro is across the bay, and it's, it's about 15 miles south of Oakland. And so we have about a 280,000-square-foot facility with another 150,000 square feet of office right attached to each other in San Leandro. Uh, San Leandro is a, is a uh, community of about 80,000 people. It's enormous in terms of its space and size. And what we're doing is really investing in, the, in San Leandro. So a couple of things that we do. One is uh, we're very involved with the Boys and Girls Club of San Leandro. Um, this is an institution that handles more than 1,200 kids uh, every day after school from tel- 12 different locations across San Leandro and San Lorenzo. So we work with them to raise money for their operating budget so that they can bring things like computer and uh, have vol- uh, volunteers and staff uh, so that these facilities are are uh, you know uh, supported as much as they need. The other thing that we have done, and it's, it's along the same lines, is we've been involved with the San Leandro Education Foundation, and they augment the budget, the uh, independent school district budget of San Leandro, San Lorenzo, for things like music programs and shop and things like that. So we're involved with them. And one of the things I'm most proud of, just this past year, 2014, we offered, we began a program where we offered internships to San Leandro high school students who are now in college to come back and work in the community for us. So we had engineers, we had people working in our, uh, we had an engineer, we had somebody working in our shops, we had two people working in our sales organization. So this year we had four people and, and in 2015 it'll be more. So we're trying to give the young people in San Leandro the best start that they possibly can have. So... Those are a couple of things that we're doing. And, you know, the more we do, Tom, the more our people want to be involved in it, too, which is awesome. So we're working on ways for the Ghirardelli uh, population to, to play a role, not only through donations, but also through the, the uh, investment of their own time. 
That's fantastic. I appreciate that you guys do that. I, I always think that, you know, having some way to impact your local community is as important as having a way to impact the world. So I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank so you. the last question before we, we sort of end this here is I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what's the coolest thing that Ghirardelli's doing in 2015 and beyond? Wow. Uh, we're relaunching Ghirardelli. Com. That'll be up in about 10 days from now. Uh, we are launching uh, exciting new projects. Uh, we are uh, opening new stores. We'll open a store on Michigan Avenue in the Wrigley Building, believe it or not, in May of this coming year. And I think those are so. Mostly, it's about mostly it's about innovation, uh, product and and uh, commercial innovation would be the things that I would be most excited about right now. So, if somebody listening isn't familiar with Ghirardelli chocolate, which I mean, you'd have to be living under you know under a bucket for the last <laughs> few years not to, but not everybody gets the opportunity to travel to the places where your stores are or to uh, have been to San Francisco to Ghirardelli Square. So, what if somebody's listening and they think, okay, Tom, you've done it to me. You've made me really hungry for chocolate. How can they? How can they get their hands on some Ghirardelli chocolate? Um, you can go to Ghirardelli.com and uh, place an order for our – so our signature product is the Ghirardelli Square. And uh, we've we developed this uh, product about 15 years ago, maybe a little bit more. And we named it the Ghirardelli Square because it just is an equity-building product. So we, we have Ghirardelli Square in San Francisco, and this is the Ghirardelli Square. It's uh, uh, about half a gram in terms of size, or excuse me, half an ounce in terms of size. And uh, generally, it's filled. Our hero is, is milk and caramel, uh, but we also have peppermint bark, and we have the one that you were saying that you like, Tom, which is dark chocolate with uh, sea salt caramel. So that's our hero. We also have a wide range of dark chocolate. We also have baking uh, products. Uh, we also have hot chocolate and um, so we have a wide range of chocolate products. We're a chocolate company, but we also have 25 shops where we serve hot fudge sundaes and things like that and in, a, in a traditional old-fashioned way. Or you could go to Ghirardelli.com. So we're in a, uh, basically every major American grocery store, uh, drug store, uh, mass merchandising store, and club store. So we should be pretty broadly available. In fact, one of the biggest compliments I get is, boy, I see you guys everywhere. Yep. I'm sure your business is good. So, Yep, you guys are everywhere, and it is delicious. And the dark chocolate and sea salt caramel Ghirardelli <laughs> squares are my downfall because if I ever see them, I can pass up a lot of other things, but I can't pass up that if it's sitting in a bowl. And I've, I've been known when people have, like, the variety pack of your stuff to just pick out all the dark, <laughs> the dark and sea salt the caramel ones and just take them all away with me. <laughs> so I started this off by saying, hey— you know, every kid probably would love to grow up and run a chocolate company. So, you know, you're kind of a fit guy. How is it that you don't weigh 300 pounds? I generally, unless we're doing something that's very intensive uh, product innovation-wise, I generally try and eat one square in the morning and one square in the afternoon. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things that's going on in food, macro food trends in the country is from big servings to smaller servings, from, you know, kind of mainstream food to, to more to higher quality. And so I think what you're going to find over the next in the coming years is people are eating smaller portions uh, with better quality food and enjoying it more. And, and that's my philosophy. Eat less uh, or eat appropriate, but uh, smaller portions enjoy it more. And uh, I think that's, that's at least one of the secrets. So my philosophy is high-quality, delicious chocolate and then large quantities. I can't stop. <laughs> that works, too. That works, too. <laughs> well, Marty Thompson, thank you very much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
And thank you to the audience for tuning in and listening to another episode. It is always fun to hear great advice from the guests that I have here on the show. And I really appreciate Marty for being here. For those of you who are listening, we'll have another show up in a couple of days. You can follow me on Twitter at Tom Singer or at Cool Podcast. Also, we now have a Facebook page under Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I'm trying to maybe build a community where people will start some discussions about cool things they're doing in their companies. So run over to Facebook and join Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And in the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.